Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Thursday, everybody. We are about, gosh, 90, uh, 100 minutes from kickoff of the 2023 season as we go live here on Thursday night. Um, but we are still talking about our game that we are focusing on on Sunday. The Cincinnati Bengals travel to Cleveland to face off against the Cleveland Browns in a huge, huge matchup to kick off the season. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He's John Sheeran. As if you haven't gotten enough of us already, uh, John, we've got a we've got a special guest to help us break down this game a little further after our conversation yesterday. Game one, guest number one. We need insight on this Cleveland Browns team. There's been a lot of changes <laughs> that they've made. Uh, some things remain the same, remain the same on both sides of the ball, but we need an update, and we're going to bring in someone to help us out. All right, we are bringing in Tom Moore from the SB Nation site, the SB Nation's Cleveland Browns site, Dogs by Nature. And you can go over there, catch not only what's going on with the Cleveland Browns there, but uh, their podcasts, as well as um, a, a five questions with the enemies that I par- partook in this week. So a uh, little shameless self-promotion there. But Tom, how are you? Good to have you on the show. Hey, guys, how's it going? Uh, excited here. Week one, we're ready to go. I'm trying to decide how... Uh... How heavy I want to go here, or if I should uh, <laughs> kind of ease into this a little bit. I mean, well, we we didn't do you any favors. I guess I, I guess we should have probably been good hosts and told you that we were going to do a live show instead hey, of a that's pre-recording. my fault for not asking. <laughs> but uh, hey, we're going to have some fun and uh, break Always. this down for just a, just a little bit here. Um, before we get before we get going, uh, if you wouldn't mind, give the people a little bit of your background in terms of covering the Browns, working at Dogs by Nature, and everything else. Oh, sure. Uh, man, been a Browns fan for, uh, you know, mid-70s, mid to late 70s. Wow. So I go back okay. to, you know, Brian Side cardiac kid days, um, you know, the glory days of Bernie in, in the mid-80s, survived everything imaginable. You know, um, this team gives fans so many things they can never unsee, and they always surprise you, and generally it's not in a good way. But, you know, we're still here. It's a new season. Everything is, um, you know, always positive um, when you're heading into week one. So writing, I've been writing for, I've been at DBN since summer of 2018. So we're coming up on, what is that, five years now. I've been on and off in, you know, in the Cleveland blog community, probably like for a decade 
or so, um, you know, very, at various sites, uh, but just landed, you know, focusing on the Browns. I mean, it's Cleveland, it's, it's football town, you know, the guardians exist just to get us to training camp and the Cavs <laughs> are around, you know, to fill in the gap between the end of the season and, uh, and the draft. And I'm probably going to get hammered for saying both of those things, but you know, we only can speak the truth. What are you going to do? That's right. Well, happy to have you with us. I guess first things first, and, you know, John and I will just kind of volley some questions back and forth at you here. But first things first, give us an update, if you could, on the health of the Browns heading into this week and how things are looking. I I saw that Denzel Ward, the great corner, um, has had limited participation the past couple of days because he's dealing with that concussion issue. And then there's some others who have kind of been uh, out. But I think overall, it's a relatively healthy Cleveland team at this point, correct? Yeah, everything, um, you know, for the most part, um, everything looks good on offense. I'm just going to go through real quick here through the injury report. Um, You know, Ward has been back. He's still in concussion protocol, but at least he came back and was able to practice on a limited basis uh, this week. You know, the big news today was uh, safety Juan. Juan Thornhill, their big free agent signing, um, came up with a calf injury, so he did not practice. You guys are familiar with the calf injury, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. I'm sure. So <laughs> yeah. that was the probably the most, uh, you know, the biggest unsettling news, you know, out of, that come out today. So other than that, you know, guys, veteran rest days, which are, are to be expected, but uh, you know, none of the none of the big guys um, outside of a few guys on offense with a handful of series played much in the preseason. So everybody should be fresh. Everybody should be ready to go. Best thing, you know, opening with a division opponent, you know, the downside is somebody's going to walk out of their 0-1-1 in a division. The upside is there should be no surprises. You know, you've had all summer to prepare for a team that you know intimately. So, and that goes, you know, true on both sides of the ball. So should be ready, you know, come Sunday. That's an interesting segue to what I'm most curious about in this game, considering that the Browns offense now has a quarterback that has been with the system for over a year now. He's had a full offseason, a full training camp. I'm really curious as to how the Browns offense is going to evolve now with Deshaun Watson's fully integrated. Do you expect not necessarily wholesale changes, but maybe more of a pass centric focus, at least to start the season or like how, how much different should we expect the Browns offense to look now with Watson fully integrated, I guess. They've been talking all summer about how it's, it's going to look different. Um, you know, the, the hope, you know, the hope is that Watson goes back to being the Watson he was in Houston, you know, um, last year, his struggles were not, he probably, it was probably a little surprising. He struggled as much as he did, but it wasn't surprising that he struggled after not playing for so long, but, you know, full off season, full training camp, full immersion into the offense. So, um, they should definitely as far as like pass run play calling, you know, you got to play to his strengths. So they'll look somewhat different, but at the core, they still do what they do. And if you look back last year for the first seven, eight, nine weeks of the season, even though the record didn't reflect it, even with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, you know, the offense was humming along being, you know, being efficient, getting the job done. So now you just hope that Watson's going to be able to take it to that next level. And some weeks that's probably going to mean, you know, we're going to have to pass, you know, more than we want to run. Some weeks it's going to be, let's rely on the run game. I think best case scenario or what everybody is probably hoping for is the offense does enough through those first three quarters that fourth quarter rolls around. They've built that lead. You just feed Nick, Nick Chubb throughout the fourth quarter, let the defense take over and everybody goes home happy. 
but I think week to week you're going to see, you know, obviously a different game plan, but you know, that's stat. I mean, that, that's pretty much, you know, status quo for all the teams, but um, I think, yeah, you, you'll definitely hopefully see a more dynamic, probably a little bit more downfield, a little bit more explosive, um, you know, Njoku is a, a, you know, it's supposed to be a, a nightmare matchup at tight end. You know, you got another second season of Mari Cooper. You got Donovan Peoples-Jones growing a little bit more. You added Elijah Moore. You got a top offensive line. Really, the only big question mark is a quarterback. And unfortunately, that's the most important position on the field when it comes talking, to the offense. Yeah, talking with Tom Moore from SB Nation's dogsbynature.com. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Tom underscore red right 88. Uh, you know, one of the weird things to come uh, recently with the Cleveland Browns, and, you know, you, you mentioned kind of question marks. Well, to me, one of the question marks, whether it it, it was a question mark that has gotten settled or is, it still remains one, is the kicker, the kicking situation. Uh, right <laughs> before the season started, what was it, Cade York, right? Uh, yes. A guy that they had drafted and – a guy that they seemingly liked, but just struggled, struggled, struggled. And they, they, you know, moved on pretty quickly from him and actually traded for Dustin Hopkins, I believe uh, mm -hmm. from, was it the chargers? Yeah. Chargers. So, yeah. So I, I guess, I mean, in a game, you know, we talk about week one, well, week one tends to be sloppy. Sometimes the offense isn't clicking on full cylinders for either one of these teams. You know, that could be the case. So kicking is going to be probably, a, you know, a, an important facet of this game. So how confident, are the Browns and I guess the fan base at this point in their kicking situation with that last minute switch up? I would say on the fan side, it's one of those situations where a large majority of them are like anybody's better than what we had. It's just <laughs> um, York. I don't know. He's got talent. He had no problem in practice, but for some reason, I just think he got into his own head when it came to actually kicking mm. in a game. He was rather than trying to be natural, I think he overthought everything. You know, everybody always talked about how he's a perfectionist. So it obviously was not working. And if you're going to make a move, I guess, you, you know, you pick up a veteran. Hopkins has been around for nine years. You know, he's he's only kicked once at Cleveland Stadium and it wasn't in a bad weather game. So that's going to be a question mark until he does it. You just don't know what's going to happen until, but the weather's going to be nice on Sunday. Hopefully it doesn't come down to it, but you know, the guy's hung around for nine years. You have to hope he knows what he's doing. And you know, it's, you can be as confident as possible without having actually seen someone out there in game action and, you know, do what he has to do. But if he struggles, it's going to get ugly if he struggles on Sunday, because people are already, you know, they were already fired up about the kicking situation. And if things go sour quickly on Sunday, it's, it's going to get bad. It's, it's very interesting considering three years prior to this, the Browns drafted Austin Seibert and then they released him after a year. And then the Bengals picked him up. Bengals legend, Austin Seibert, uh, after their <laughs> whole Randy Bullock situation, K drafting kickers is very, very hit or miss, you know, and I think the Bengals mm -hmm. fans can, can easily understand that. On the other side of the ball, though, with defense, the whole offseason story has been revolved around, you know, rebuilding that defensive line, specifically the interior, right? You recently had Shelby Harris join the team, you signed Dalvin Tomlinson to a big deal at nose tackle. On a scale of like one to 10, what is the confidence level right now just being able to stop the run, which is something the Browns unfortunately couldn't do last year? I'm going to say 
it, it's similar to the kicker situation where it's like it has to it can't get any worse than it was so it's got to be better but it's not only the guys they brought in but it's bringing in jim schwartz as defensive coordinator you know defensive line is what he's known for you now have at least a competent what you're hoping is at least a competent defensive interior and by competent you know basically like league average or maybe like close to league average but then outside of that you now have miles garrett who is the best defensive end in the nfl i don't care what anybody says about anybody else he's now been paired with zadarius smith and um i'm not going to say agbo i'm not going to try to pronounce his name because i'm going to screw it up he now has the best set of defensive ends opposite him so he's already garrett's already a nightmare now the offensive lines are going to have to figure out what to do with the other end and these guys can switch around and move inside so there's going to be a lot of pieces that schwartz is going to be able to do so you already have a guy who's at the top of his game at one defensive end you have a very solid defensive end group you have a group in the middle that hopefully can be good enough and once you mix them all together they should be really strong and the good thing is the as great as it is as much as i would love even though it's an offensive league having a dominant defense or whatever passes as a dominant defense in today's nfl that goes out there and really just kicks the offense around the field it would be really cool all the Browns, if the offense plays the way it should be able to, the way it's capable of playing, they just need this defense to be league average and they should be fine. You know, because so you got a solid back. I'm sorry. No, you go got ahead. A solid go back end. You got a few question marks at linebacker, but you should see a lot of improvement from the defensive line. And it's like everybody, you know, you follow this game, everybody knows if you can pressure the quarterback with only having to rush four guys, that makes everything so much easier you know, in pass coverage with everybody else, especially when you're going up against an offense like Cincinnati's. So when sticking on the defensive side of the ball, I've got mm -hmm. kind of a, a two prong question for you. Number one, do you expect, because Miles Garrett, I mean, he's had, a, he's had success against a lot of offensive tackles around the league, but he has had a, a good amount of success against Jonah Williams. Do you expect him to kind of move around on each side, on each end piece? Are they going to move things around that way and match him up against Jonah Williams to continue to try and get that matchup? And or uh, how is the Cleveland run defense? How has it improved? Because they had some issues last year against the run. And that might be, you know, as as we mentioned before, week one, teams are kind of trying to ramp things up and get mm -hmm. fine rhythms and that sort of thing. That might be where the Bengals, uh, as explosive as they are in the passing game, they may want to try and at least keep things manageable with run, you know, controlled passing run game, that sort of thing early on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're going to move Garrett. They've always moved Garrett around. I mean, that was the big issue that JV and Clowney had last year. He couldn't, he couldn't handle the fact that the defensive that, you know, they wanted to match Garrett up in the most favorable situation possible. I don't, I think that situation is going to continue this year where Schwartz is going to move him around to maximize whatever advantage the Browns can get, but I don't think it's going to become an issue with his other defensive linemen. As far as the run defense, you know, it's so hard to know from preseason because everybody plays vanilla. You just don't know until you get out there and you do it. But the guys they brought in on paper for what that's worth, they're better than what they had. And they have a better system than what they had. So, um, you know, the linebackers are going to be better if they're playing, you know, with Shelby Harris and um, 
you know, Tomlinson in front of them, you know, eating up space, eating up blockers, it's going to make it easier because, you know, you're not, if I'm JOK, I'm not going to have to fight off a guard, you know, trying to, you know, come up because he doesn't have to worry about the defensive tackles. He can, you know, so they're going to be a problem and they're just going to make, it's just all going to stack and all those pieces are just going to complementary pieces are all going to work together, you know, in a perfect world. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Talking with Thomas Moore of SB Nation's Dogs by Nature, previewing this upcoming week one game against the Cleveland Browns. Going back to the offensive side of the ball, the Bengals recently picked up Demetri Felton, who was a running back slash wide receiver slash do-it-all gadget, whatever, for the Bengals practice squad. But now the, the Browns still have, obviously, in my lifetime, right? Like the Browns haven't always been good, obviously, but they've had two players who I think I just described the same way, like guys who just every single snap they just they get done. One of them is Joe Thomas and one of them is Nick Chubb. I have the ultimate respect for Nick Chubb as a player. I think he's by far the best running back in the league. Um, behind him, though, like I, I there's no longer Kareem Hunt. You have Pierre Strong, who you guys traded for, Jerome Ford, mm-hmm. UC Bearcat, love him. He's still behind there. Like in, in terms of just managing Chubb throughout the season, is it just like putting 250 carries on him and then to see what, where it goes or like how's this rotation going to be if they want to keep him fresh or if that's just not even like a problem anymore no i think i think you're going to still see the rotation i think you know um obviously the more they pass the less you know wear and tear they get on you know his body so if the offense gets if the passing gets clicking then you don't have to worry about running chubb as much until the fourth quarter they really like jerome ford um you know Kareem Hunt is a name that everybody knows, and um, it was great having him on the team, but his production has been on the decline, you know, the past year, year and a season, season and a half. So Ford should hopefully be enough to handle five to 10 carries a game. You know, maybe maybe that's even too much. You know, a couple of series of games just to give Chubb a little bit of a break. But also, you know, Chubb rips off, you know, a 50 or 60 yard run. And you only have a three or four play offensive drive that takes a lot of uh, wear and tear off of him as well. So it's going to, you know, it'll be situational. It'll be game to game, but I don't really see them over. I'm just going to look up like his stats real quick. Um, 
just just look at his like you you know his usage um so yeah 302 attempts last year i would say that's probably that's probably a good ballpark to think where he's going to be this year you know give or take you know give or take a few um I, you know i just don't really see them overworking him any um you know any one any one particular game especially early on in the game because they're going to want him to be fresh in the fourth quarter to really break down you know opposing defenses We'll get it. We'll get you out of here in just a couple minutes. A couple more questions for you, yeah. Tom. Do I get to ask you guys questions? <laughs> if, if you want, yeah. We'll yeah. We'll so, Joe Burrow, what what are your guys? One, how com- how comfortable are you that is he going to? You know, he's I mean, obviously he's going to play on Sunday. How effective is he going to be with this calf injury? I mean, I I, I he's going to play. I think he's going to be fine. Um, unfortunately, as John and I have moaned about for you know, the past couple of months now is that, man, we just can't, that, that guy can't get a normal off season <laughs> if his life depended on it. And I'll, I'll let John chime in a little bit on it too. I, I am worried a little bit of uh, just a rust standpoint, but he looks, I mean, if you look back at last year and when he came in and played week one off of that appendicitis thing, he already looks and, and reports and videos and everything kind of corroborate it, but he already looks like he's in, in a better place you know, physically and game shape, all that kind of stuff than he was last year entering week one. Yeah, I would say that if he's out there, he's going to he's going to look pretty close to 100 percent. I think the worry is if something does end up happening like he, I think it, it was telling him when, when he said in the press conference that, you know, I have some good days, I have some bad days and the bad days, some tightness occurs. So I don't think he's like 100 percent over this right now. But if he's out there, I don't think he's going to try to limit himself. So if all goes to plan, like he'll look like the normal Joe Burrow, but there's always that, you know, small percentage chance that something could happen. I think that's where maybe the the discomfort kind of lies. And what's the what's the feeling on the contract situation? I mean, we obviously all know he's got he's going to something's going to get worked out. I mean, not even the Bengals can screw this up, but, (laughs) you know, are they going to be able to, you know, a lot of people like to create this fantasy around players about the hometown discount and they only want to win. So they're going to take less money to keep a player like a Jamar chase to keep a T Higgins to keep this offensive core together. Is that realistic? You think, or where, where, where do you guys lie in that discussion? Well, uh, first of all, I think there's a narrative that still exists and, and those who have been around the Bengals, watched them, followed them, covered them, any, anything like that. I mean, uh, this, this narrative, we, we've tried to kind of dissolve it, which is this, this Bengals are cheap. They won't pay all the guys. They, they don't do that. That has been dispelled. And, and really this hasn't been just dispelled in their little run of success here with the Joe Burrow era. era. I mean, uh, you go back to the mid two thousands, they paid a lot of their stars all at the same time. Um, their offensive stars, Chad, TJ, Hushmanzada, Carson, um, their tackles. I mean, you could look at that and and often Rudy Johnson, the running back at the time, oftentimes, you know, they were one of, if not the highest paid player at their position while paying, continuing to pay contracts elsewhere. So I, I think they, they can get it done. It's going to be harder and harder because now contracts are way more exorbitant than and guaranteed money and all that kind of stuff all plays into it. So, you know, it, it's a different era, but I, I think the narrative isn't, isn't really accurate of they're not going to be able to keep all of them, but I don't think Joe's going to take this quote home hometown discount. Um, I think that he wants to be paid. He wants to be the highest paid guy, but he also wants a commitment from the team that they are going to keep 
his namely his two offensive weapons, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, long term or as long as they can to keep this window, this championship run window open. Mm-hmm. And I, I know John has some other thoughts on that, too. Yeah, right. That, that, that's just what it is right now. It's just Burrow saying, hey, like, you know, I want to get this done, but I, I want these concessions to be reached. And I think that might take until maybe Saturday night to end up happening. But like Anthony said, he's going to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. I don't think there's going to be a hometown discount. Obviously, it can be structured in a way where he can fit in other cap numbers for his teammates. Maybe part of that is like, hey, you know, uh, I, I would like it if you pay T against what he wants before I sign it. But that may not happen either. I think it's going to get done. But yeah, it's not going to be a hometown discount by any means. Okay. Yeah. And I don't want to come across as a hater. I love I I like watching Burrow play. He he's he's a blast, you know, to watch play. So. You're, you're, no, you're not coming. It's <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, there was a track record prior to the era that I'm talking about, the mid 2000s, where the Bengals were paying. You know, when they drafted well at that point and drafted their stars well, um, they were paying them, and that wasn't necessarily the case in that bad run of the 90s. Um, where, you know, they guys would bail after their first contract or, you know, uh, that sort of thing, or, or they wouldn't pay them or, you know, there are some horror stories that came out of that, but that has changed, uh, I think quite a bit. And the Bengals have really been a, a d- done a nice 360, uh, you know, in the PR department and their image, um, as, as a franchise. And I think at least we, from the, from the Bengals side of the fence, looking outward to everyone else, I think we see it. I don't know that everyone else beyond that fence necessarily sees it um i, I want to ask this uh it's a question um it, this is from will lewis uh he, he hmm. good good fan of the show here uh, i i'm spinning this it kind of a little bit into my own question a little bit because yes i think njoku is perhaps the scariest guy on the browns uh, just from a, a matchup standpoint and the Bengals inexperience at safety that sort of thing but i want to ask um not only about njoku but Elijah Moore uh, mm-hmm. and where he fits in uh, potentially this week for uh, and going forward, really, how has he been looking and how has he been integrating into the offense? He's going to be an interesting one to watch because they've, they've moved him around and they're, they're not afraid to, you know, they've had him in the backfield sometimes, you know, obviously in the slot, breaking out wide. So Moore is probably, because I was going to ask you like, what's one player that no one's talking about in the Bengals that the Browns should be worried about. And, my answer to that question coming this way would probably be Elijah Moore. You know, um, he, you know, he missed a little bit of time. Um, You know, he got, he got, he got dinged up a little bit in the preseason. So he missed a little bit of time, but they're going to be doing some different things with him. And that's one thing that, um, you know, they're keeping a little bit quiet, obviously, but it's going to be fun to see just what he can do. And if he can go out and change the way people perceived his time to be in the jets that he, you know, was a malcontent that he was this, he was that, and then and the other. As far as Njoku goes, it's hard. I don't know. I'm somewhat in the minority in I I see the potential, I see the talent there. I don't always see the production. And I, maybe yeah. that's because I'm not looking at the right things. You know, I watch what Travis Kelsey does in Kansas City, and there are pro Nujoko people in Cleveland that talk about him as if he's Travis Kelsey. And I've never seen him take over a game the way that happens. Now there's a lot of other factors involved with that. Um, you know, he's still, I think this, you know, he came out of college young, so there's still, so I think this is, this is a year where 
he might actually live up to, and not that he has necessarily lived down to people the way people perceive him, but I think he might actually be, this might be a big year for him. And you yeah, know, and he it, could definitely prove, be problematic um, on a good day. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, John, um, Tom had asked us uh, some of the uh, sleeper player from the Bengals that maybe, you know, not talked about that the Browns fans may be interested in. Brian in Iowa took mine right there. Irv Smith is a guy, I think, you know, I kind of had a a Twitter uh, exchange with, uh, you know, a a good follower of ours and uh, we follow him back too. But I kind of said, you know, again, as this, maybe, maybe this is just my old school mentality as things maybe ramp up in week one, you try and find a rhythm, you try and find, uh, you know, things that work early and maybe it, you, you manage things a little bit more instead of going bombs away right away. I think maybe some some short passing and or, you know, I always call it the chain moving chain moving plays uh, to your tight end. Uh, and I think Irv Smith may may be a factor, at least early in this game. That's a guy I don't think a lot of people are talking about. John, who who might be one that Browns fans should be hearing about but aren't? Yeah, I, I think just. With the Bengals defense and the talk, like it's, a lot of it's been about the safeties and how they're going to look and you know how this defense looks beyond just Jesse Bates and Von Bell. And I think Dax Hill's kind of gotten underrated for, uh, just throughout that conversation. Uh, obviously, the sample size is extremely small. Browns fans even saw Dax Hill play like emergency snaps at cornerback last year when they were dealing with all his injuries. He's not going to be a boundary cornerback this week. You might see him pretty close to the line of scrimmage, either lined up in the slot. You might see him you know, being the post safety, you might see him take away half the field. Like he's going to be used all over the defense. And I think he's ready for it. I think he's ready for this moment. And I, I don't like the, the narrative is that, you know, there's going to be a huge drop off potentially at safety play. But I think when you have an athlete like Dax Hill, who's now comfortable within the scheme and everything, I think you'll, I think he'll perform just fine. I think he, he might surprise some people. Yeah. Uh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Tom. One more question. Can yeah, I, can I get, can it. I get, do I got time for one Abs- more? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel I, I, now I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling like this is an interrogation instead of a dialogue and I want it to be a dialogue. No, so no okay. This no, keep good. going. This okay. Browns have won five in a row at home against the Bengals. They've yep. won eight out of the last 10 against the Bengals. Yep. What are you guys doing? What's up with that? Uh, I, I mean, John's, John's the resident smart guy here. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just the dope that, that pretends to know stuff, but I, I just feel um, as as kind of cliche and as bad of an answer as, as this may sound. I just feel that personnel wise, they just did not they have not matched up well. And maybe that has changed. Uh, maybe that will change going forward here because the Bengals continue to make strides and outside free agency and bring in other guys. I think Miles Garrett has just been a factor almost every single time they play. They, they played in those games. And then Nick Chubb. It's really been Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb. 
And uh, they're, those two guys are two of the best in the league at their respective positions for a reason. And the Bengals have not found consistent answers in stopping them. And they have they have really wrecked games. I think John and I talked yesterday. We looked at Nick Chubb's stats, at least as of recently, against the Bengals alone. Um, last year, the first game, that Halloween game, he ran all over him for 100-plus yards and two touchdowns. Second game was finally the first one really in a while. I think uh, uh, he's played, I think, eight or nine games against the Bengals, uh, if, if my memory serves, and really only two have been where he's been controlled by the Bengals' mm -hmm. defense, and everything else has been, like, outrageous stat-wise. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a matchup thing, and I think the Brown Stars, their two big stars on each side of the ball, have just taken over the game. Um, and, and for some reason, too, I don't mean to cut into John, for some reason, too, Baker Mayfield had this team's number. Uh, he just played – played like a different guy every single time he went up against the Bengals. And I, I you know, I don't, I, I maybe, and it always seemed that there was some storyline where he had the, the chip on his shoulder going into that week. He was going to get benched or he was going to lose a job or the Hugh Jackson thing years ago. Um, and he just, he just played with a different kind of passion against the Bengals. And that was a factor too. Yeah. Baker just plays really well against Ohio teams. We saw that when he played Ohio state back <laughs> yeah. in Oklahoma. Yeah. So maybe oh that, gosh. maybe that was what it is. Um, but yeah, yeah like, like, like you said though, like division, Division teams, like, they know each other very well. I think I always look to, look to the NFC West. They always have some wacky games where even some, like, under like yeah. the clear underdogs in those games end up, like, giving, like, the 49ers or whoever's at the top, you know, the business or whatnot. That's, the AFC North is tough, man. I, I, for as long as I've been alive, like, the Browns and Bengals have never really been that much better than the other. Like, they've mm -hmm. always played each other pretty closely. And the Browns have talent. Like, it's not, the talent has not necessarily been an issue with the Browns over the past four years for the majority of the roster. Obviously, there's some deficiencies that has kept them back a little bit. But when you have teams who play them, you know, for the, like the first time in a couple of years, you know, they, they may take advantage of some coaching, you know, malefeasance mal, mal, mal or whatever. But no, when the Browns have two games against the Bengals every year, there's plenty of tape on them. Like Anthony said, like they just found what works against them and they've just kind of taken advantage of that. And the Bengals have just yet to answer in a consistent way. So that's that's good. That's going to be a goal for them this year. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And I mean, as with any big rivalry, there's ebbs and flows to it. I mean, I, I talked about that mid 2000s team, the Marvin Lewis teams. I mean, that that was a dominant run for the Bengals against the Cleveland Browns when the, when the Browns couldn't figure out their quarterback position and all kinds of different things. I mean, the Browns only won a small handful of games over the course of many years. And now that has flipped, uh, which is surprising because this Bengals team seems to be, you know, much stronger across the board than some of the other ones that Marvin Lewis fielded and was getting those wins. So it's a little surprising, but you know, I mean, this is, this is also, we talked about this last night on our show too. This is also why I think this is a very important game to the Bengals, um, not just because it's starting, you know, it's a week one game, it's a division game, but it's also this, if you lose another one here, um, I don't know if this starts to get, I mean, this is a mentally tough to Bengals team, but I don't know if it starts to get into your psyche a little bit. Like, man, this is just that one team we can't seem to consistently beat. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's why it's important. So with that, Tom, and I will say, go ahead, go ahead. One one thing on the, you know, the kind of like tying to all that, both, you know, Cincinnati and, you know, Cleveland, they both start the season with back-to-back -back division games. So whoever yep. loses on Sunday, all of a sudden you're looking at the, you're facing down a week two that if you lose, not only are you 0-2, you're 0-2 in the division. Yep. And, you know, the good part is if you come through those, you're all of a sudden it's like, wow, not only am I 2-0, I'm 2-0 in the division. And, you know, you're not necessarily going to win or lose the division the first couple of weeks, but those 
those two opening games, and the Browns have three of their first four in the division. They play, you know, everybody, they play Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and then week four, they play Baltimore. So in their first four games, they already got three division games out of the way. And that's, you know, you got to come out of the gate firing. And, you know, Cincinnati's in a similar situation with the Browns and Baltimore back to back. Yeah, and both teams have the. I mean, it's it's flipped, but they have a road game and a home game uh, mm-hmm. in, in those division games. So one apiece there. Uh, well, this is a good segue uh, as we start to kind of wrap things up. I'm glad you asked us questions. A lot of our guests, <laughs> I feel like we pepper them with questions, and we don't give them the opportunity to ask a, ask us questions. So we like that. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Good. Hey, you're open. Uh, you're that, open the door. I'm taking it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that being said, um, kind of, how do you see this one playing out? What do you, the, the line right now, I think is Bengals uh, favored by two and a half by DraftKings there. So how do you see that one playing out and what, you know, what are you, what are you thinking about this one? I think um, for this is going to be the, it's interesting. I, um, and I should look this up because I just wrote it about a week ago. The last time the Browns won the first game of the season in consecutive years was 90 it was either 92 or 93 or 93 and 94 and both years it was against the Bengals they finally won week one last year this is the chance to do that for the first time since the early 90s to win their opening game back-to-back seasons like we said five in a row at home eight out of ten against the Bengals I have no reason to believe that it's not going to be you know by 405 on Sunday it's not going to be six in a row at home and nine out of the past 11 Everybody's going to be scratching their head like, what the heck did we do wrong? But uh, going to go Browns 34-20, Okay. So a, a touchdown victory for the for the Browns. Well, this is the – All the points. Yeah, a lot of points. Yeah, sure. Why one. not? Yeah. Uh, hey, I mean, stranger, stranger things have happened. I mean, we, we could see mm-hmm. either a, a struggle, like we said, because it is week one and week one's weird. Or with these two quarterbacks and the weapons that they have, we could see a lot of the a lot of points scored. That's that's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Again, Tom, uh, where can people find you? Find your work, uh, everything you got going on at Dogs by Nature. Sure, uh, just go to. It's <laughs> embarrassing. I just didn't want. I wanted to say go to dogsbynature.com. I didn't want to say like that org or something stupid. <laughs> and then, um, if for some reason you want to follow me on Twitter. It's uh, Tom underscore Redright eighty eight at uh, on on the Twitter X the X Twitter, whatever yeah, we want to call it call nowadays. It. If anybody's still call. around, sometimes <laughs> I feel like I'm the only one there. <laughs> well, thanks for your time. Appreciate. It. Thanks for your insight. I'm sure it's going to be a really interesting one, and hopefully we catch up maybe at the rematch or something down the road. Uh, Anytime if if you guys game. want me, I'm here. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you for your time, and uh, we we will uh, see what happens this week. Appreciate it, Tom. All right, no problem. Go Browns. All right, take care. <laughs> uh that was that was tom moore great uh great guy we haven't we haven't had him on before that was a lot of fun talking to him and, and getting questions back I, I like that i like that but uh we are going to get on out of here we have a show tomorrow um where we're going to run through some headlines and that sort of stuff and then uh john and i have been talking we're going to kind of yet again i know I, our listeners are going to hate us but we're going to switch around the schedule a little bit but we're uh for the following week but it's going to be back a little bit to what we did last year, where we're going to have the post-game report on Sunday. We're going to do a little bit of a breakdown of the game and everything Monday, John and myself. And then we'll kind of we'll do our, our Thursday show. Um, and then we'll Fridays we'll do like news and notes and um, all and or listener questions live. So we'll do all kinds of different stuff. We've got a lot of shows to pepper you with. And I, I keep asking more and more of John. I'm sorry, buddy. 
It's not like it's my job or anything. <laughs> hey, hey, don't. It's not a job. It's 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 a passion project, right? It doesn't it's feel like passion. a job. I'm in my apartment <laughs> there you go. talking there you on go. computer. You know. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks to Tom, uh, John. Thank you, Bud. And we will uh, we'll catch up soon. And hopefully, we'll t- we'll be talking about a Bengals win. Yeah. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you.